Hello, welcome to the Cosmic Eye Show. It is Sunday. I'm your host, Jason Napolitano, and I have on the line Mr. Chris Sheridan. How you doing, sir? What's happening? <sighs> A lot's happening. I've been busier than ever lately. <laughs> I like oh. to hear that. Well, yeah. You're making the most yeah. of this time on your hands, you know? And it's been hands-on stuff. I've been getting out of my head and more into my hands, uh, gardening and making things out of wood. It's a beautiful thing. Well, it's interesting. You're 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 becoming a carpenter, and today's topic is, of course, one of them is the most famous carpenter of all, <laughs> Jesus himself. So we're talking about uh, Mark, and we're going to look at around. You you brought up the uh, this uh, particular section of mark mark 10 chapter 10 uh, verse 27 but we're going to look in and around that whole section we'll probably look at everywhere from mark 17 10 17 to mark uh 10 31 or so so it's it's a it's a, uh there's a full section of it and oftentimes in certain study bibles it's called the rich man so there's a parable in there of a rich man uh, in a story of, of Jesus and so on. We'll, we'll, we'll get into that in a moment. But our topic for this today really centers around this idea of uh, for mortals, it's impossible, but not for God. For God, all things are possible, which is twenty, which is uh, 1027, Mark 1027. It's a very famous uh, verse. We're going to get into a little bit of what happens before that, a little bit of what happens after that, and maybe some uh, some, some different understandings of that than traditional uh, Bible scholarship may have. Uh, so that's our topic for today. So really, we're continuing with our series of, of, of this uncertain times idea. And so this is really spiritual solutions for uncertain times, this particular one. And we're going to be looking at the New Testament for some wisdom on this. So some ancient wisdom from the New Testament. Um, so thank you for joining us. We appreciate everyone who's here with us each week. Thank you for supporting us as well. We're at anchor.fm slash cosmic eye if you would like to support our cause, uh, which is to share this ancient wisdom from many different wisdom traditions uh, and, and teachers and so on. Um, but applying that ancient wisdom to you know, modern challenges that we're facing today, uh, we're looking at psychological issues and so on, and this, um, what Jungians call the individuation process, self-realization. So really solving our, our problems and, and trying to become more enlightened individuals is what we're all about. So we're hoping that we're uh, helping you along that path. And like I said, if you want to contribute, please uh, check us out at anchor.fm slash cosmic eye. Chris has a book called the spirit in the sky. Mine is if you can worry, you can meditate. Those are both available on Amazon. All right. So let's just jump right into this, Chris. Um, first of all, I wanted to ask you, and I didn't even get a chance while we were kind of doing our, our pre pre-show talk why this particular section stuck out uh, for you? What what grabbed you about it? Um, you know, when you were reading, or you know, what are kind of what's the context of this, so that you know we can kind of understand where you were coming from when this when this section grabbed you. Well, you had asked, I think, a couple of days ago, uh, if I could, you know, if I, or if I happened to think of a Bible verse or yeah, a spiritual tract or some uh, you know bit of ancient wisdom. Um, that might be a focal point, because I think we're talking about, I mean, in a general sense, uh, kind of the same thing uh, in recent weeks. And we're looking at ancient wisdom for our contemporary problems. We're looking at spiritual solutions for our human problems. 
and uh, and I hadn't really come up with anything. And then this morning, I actually saw it of all places on Twitter. Somebody um, I follow, you know, posted it, and it seemed kind of random. This person generally doesn't, you know, post um, you know Bible verses. Um, it did today and and it so it jumped out i was already in consciousness looking for something but yeah uh, but it jumped out and seemingly just as random as that but i also know how the spirit works and you know a lot of these so-called random things are you know might be you know cryptically planted there uh or to recognize them and it just seemed it just hit me like oh yeah well, that's, that yeah. seems in line and it just well why go any further why you know why look no, deeper absolutely absolutely uh, well, you know what? That's one of the most important things is really starting to follow those promptings and to pay attention to those those kind of feelings and clues and things that come up that Jung would, Jung would call synchronicities that do really help guide us. And those are from the spirit. Those are from God. You know, those inclinations to follow those things. And so that's, you know, going to be one of the things we're going to talk about today. Um, I'm glad you brought that up. Fantastic. Thank you for sharing that. So, you know, that's, you know, one of the kind of, things is that you know when we're in challenging times where it seems like there's you know no solutions and things are very uncertain and so on we look to sometimes the wrong places for our for our stability uh don't we and so we'll look to the government or the cdc or uh, some social group, or even, you know, even our church, for example, the sort of bureaucratic institution that might be our church or our mosque or our temple that we belong to, um, or what have you. But oftentimes those are, those are man-oriented solutions, uh, human-oriented solutions that, um, you know, that confront us in those institutions. And it's not to say that those things are bad and that we don't need them. I'm just saying sometimes when we are in really uncertain, challenging, difficult, pivotal, changing times, the human solutions, the business as usual stuff just isn't going to work anymore. And so we're looking to, you know, it's the difference between the eternal and the temporal let's say, you know, the temporal is time-based, limited, material, my short span of, you know, however many years I get on this planet and so on. The eternal and the infinite are, you know, the eons and the, you know, the, the ages and the, you know, the eternal and infinite and the spiritual realms of things. And they're two different but interconnected and interpenetrated realities, you know, the thing is, is for us, oftentimes as human beings, because we live in the material world and we identify with it so much. And, you know, and by the way, we only live in the material world about half of our, our lives because the other half is when we're in, we're in sleep. And that certainly is not the normal material world we live in. So we have one foot in both worlds, even in this material world, you know, if we're looking at the body. Um, you know, that, and that doesn't even go to say, you know, where our spiritual connections and so on. But, um, but you know, the, the thing is, is that we're, we're so used to looking to experts and scientists and teachers and businesses and government officials and leaders and so on to solve problems that we forget that we have the, the capacity within ourselves to go to the real source of things. 
you know, the uh, the eternal source of things. And I think really that's what this whole section uh, in, in Mark is really about, you know, is these con- it's the contradiction between this kind of reliance on the material world, reliance on wealth, reliance on social position and so on versus our faith in spirit and the promptings of, of uh, the soul and so on, which are the spiritual dimension of our lives, you know, which Jesus is calling the kingdom, the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven in different places. Um, so let's go ahead and, and look at this section. I think we'll start, we'll just kind of, kind of lay it out because if you're not familiar with this verse, Or if you are familiar with this verse, you may not be familiar with what goes on before and what goes on after it. And there's a lot of telling information in this. It's a very rich uh, section of the Bible. So it's Mark uh, 10, 17 uh, to around 30, 31, something like this. So I'll start at the top and I'll just kind of paraphrase a little bit and jump in wherever you want. But I'll I'll start reading a little bit and then then we'll kind of discuss where we are. So so Jesus is teaching... And right before this section uh, is the is the familiar section you may be able to be uh, you may know where people bringing children to have uh, Jesus that to have Jesus bless the children and you know, some some of the disciples were stopping the children from coming forward and said let the children come to me do not stop them for it is to such as as these that the kingdom of God belongs so he's kind of it's set up to kind of you sort of see where this next section is headed. In other words, you know, the the idea of faith and the idea of this sort of pure, receptive, faithful nature like a child has is, is one of the requirements for the kingdom of God. So let me just jump in real quick. Yeah. um, Suffer the little children to come unto me and forbid them not. Oh yeah, that's, that's the uh, the King that's James. I think a familiar. Uh, there you go. Yeah, the King James. Uh, is it much might be a little more familiar with working on suffer little children. Uh, it doesn't all... mean that they're going to suffer, but whoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not enter therein. So this, you know, this is where he really underscores this uh, childlike nature, and I think it bears, um, you know, just a little bit of uh, commentary that. As a child, I'm talking about just as a real child in the real world <laughs> with real things or, you know, material things. Um, when a child comes up and says, oh, this is broken or I can't tie my shoes or just hands you, you know, something that, that you can't figure out. The child knows that more than likely the adult is going to be able to solve this problem or tie the shoe or, or fix the broken toy. Uh, but also comes with this level of acceptance and not like, oh, well, okay, I'm a little kid. My toy's broken. I'm going to hand it to you, but I'm going to scrutinize. You know, where'd you go to school? What did you, the child doesn't do that. <laughs> it, 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 is, it, it is real faith. Yeah. It is faith that this is a higher power. So there's more knowledge and ability. And this expectancy um, that it will be honored and return fixed <laughs> um, and, and, and no other request uh, or prerequisite uh, is, is necessary. There's no payment. There's no, oh, please, I'll be good if you fix my toy. It's just, no, it's broken. Here, fix it. Um, it's that, I think, is what he's talking about when he's talking about entering uh, and this relationship uh, mm-hmm. with the divine 
a presence. Um, it's not just, oh, I'm just a lowly child and, and this, this God force is, is so wise and grown up. It's that I'm a kid, you're gonna fix it for me because that's your role, that's your job, I expect it. Um, so it's very, very different than, than bringing a grown up <laughs> to the table because a grown up yeah. can have all kinds of questions and doubts and fears. And, doubts, yeah, fears yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a great way to that's so, a great way to look at it. So you have to sort of get into that that child mind in a sense in order to to receive that, uh, and that's that's a great important point. Really, uh, you know, it, it, we you know, especially today, we we think we're so sophisticated because we have so much access to information all the time, you know. But really, mostly what it does is kind of confuse us and shake our faith in the in the in the source you know it, it just gets us confused and and discombobulated and you know thinking that this pill will solve our problem or that you know insurance policy or or that annuity or this investment or that investment will bring the security and look we have to live in a material world i get it and, you know we have to make good choices about those things but this goes so far beyond that it's saying Look, here's something you can have for free. Just be receptive and have faith. And, you know, God will show you the way, you know, the spirit will show you the way, will give you some information, prompt you in a direction, solve a problem, heal an illness, do things that you didn't think were possible, you know, and you because you have that faith. It's like, but if in the back of your mind, like you said, you're sort of arguing and you're thinking, well, where did, you know, where did you know, where did this come, where, where is this going to come from? And what school did this, you go to? And, you know, you're asking all these different questions, sort of interrogating something. That's not having a faith that something's just going to unfold and be fixed. And that's where we get in our own way. It's a stumbling block. You know, it's not to say that thinking isn't good, intelligence isn't good, but in certain cases, we just, we don't, you know, we just need to believe that things are going to work out and keep affirming that they, that they are, and keep that that positive state in mind and in heart and in our soul in order for that thing to unfold. So that's how he sets this section up. So in contrast to that, so uh, Mark 10, 17, by the way, I'm reading from the NRSV, the New Revised Standard Version of the Bible. And Chris, I, I, it sounds like you have the um, King James. Is that correct? Yes, I do. Okay. So King James has the beautiful Shakespearean language, of course. And NRSV is a sort of modernized version, a little more literal, but um, a little more accurate in terms of um, our understanding of words today. The King James is accurate, but it's in a more, you know, kind of a different vernacular in terms of a different time and place. But the language is much more beautiful. So anyway, so I'll start out. So as he was setting out on a journey, a man ran up and knelt before him, that's Jesus, and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but God alone. You know the commandments, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not defraud, honor your father and mother. Those are basic ten commandments, right? And then the man said to him, Teacher, I've kept all these since my youth. Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said, You lack one thing. Go sell what you own and give the money to the poor and you'll have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. When he heard this, he was shocked and went away grieving for he had many possessions. So, you know, this is one of those, this is one of those sections of the Bible where, you know, people will, 
say, well, oh, you know, Jesus wants everyone to be poor. And, you know, and of course, you know, this is, you know, you have to give everything and get to give everything away and sell and so on. And, 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 you know, there, there's merit in some of that, certainly in terms of, uh, you know, spirit, spirituality, you know, a lot of monks and nuns of all faiths, you know, give what they have to the church and live a, a sort of vow of poverty to stay simple and so on. But really, I think this more is more specific when he says Jesus looking at him, it says he was looking into his soul, he was looking deeply into him. He loved him. Love, he, so he said this compassionately, you, you lack one thing, go sell what you own and give the money to the poor. So what he's saying is he sees that this young man has this great faith in money, in possessions, in his status, in, in his, you know, his privileged life that he has. And, and it's not that the money and the, the wealth and the status are the problem. It's that the youth is clinging to these things and looking to those things to provide him the stability Know, that he's seeking the eternal sort of the eternal sort of um, reward, I guess you'd want to call it the true salvation, spiritual salvation. Uh, you know, he's putting his faith into materiality instead of uh, instead of the spirit, instead of into the into God. And so, you know, for him, he's telling him, well, look, you, you know, you lack that. So go sell what you own and then, you know, and then follow me. Interesting you know, so you how can, we you know, here's somebody with great possession. Mm -hmm. uh, who who is lacking <laughs> yeah right you know it's a really interesting contrast and then material possessions and material pursuits uh can can be a very big distraction even spiritual pursuits if they're done in kind of an earthly material way mm -hmm. um, can really distract you from you know finding that spirit within yeah exactly i like that term spiritual materialism you know, they use that a lot. It's like, oh, my, my, you know, for a lot, of, you know, a lot of people are out there trying to prove their, their spiritual, prove their religious to people. And they've really got this like nose to the grindstone sort of attitude. And they're very inflexible in the way that they look at life. And so it's almost as if they're trying to prove their, their worth or their value spiritually. And then you have the opposite of that, the people that are out there, you know, look at me, I've got, you know, this Lamborghini and this, you know, 50,000 square foot house on the, you know, in Santa Barbara, and I, you know, got, you know, $50 billion in assets and this, you know, and they really, you know, they really have put all their faith into that material existence, you know, so you get kind of those two different approaches. But in a sense, they're sort of the same thing. They're a reliance on something sort of physical, something material, something that's of your doing. And that's the thing about this whole section that's so important to understand that, like, this kingdom of God, this, you know, this gift, um, the fact that, you know, that, that for mortals, it's impossible, but not for God, for God, all things are possible. That is a, it's a gift. It's like a grace, as you call it. It's something you don't have to earn. It's something you just have to be receptive to. And that's why, again, we go back to that childlike faith that sort of sets up the beginning of this uh, before this rich man comes. So then uh, let me uh, actually, why don't you read the second section so we can get. Um, so this will be from Mark 10, 23 down, you know, down to maybe, I don't know, 28 or something or wherever you want to go to. And you can get the, you know, you can get the King James version of this. OK, so from 23, uh, Mark 10, 23, how hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God? Uh, moving on, children, how hard it is for them that trust in riches 
to enter the kingdom of God. And this is a familiar one in 25. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. Now, uh, this is me talking now. <laughs> a funny part that we, I don't know if you've ever seen these little videos on, I don't know what, whatever, social media or something where there's a, a little dog or average sized dog picks up a really wide stick uh, right in the middle and is just running with this stick and running this stick. And then it, it comes into a doorway and it can't get it in because it's the width of the stick is wider than the, the narrowness of the uh, the doorway. And it just keeps trying, keeps trying, can't seem to do it. And that's sort of an image I conjure up when I, I see this, you know, easier for a camel to go through the yeah. eye of the needle or, nice. you know, a rich man. It's, it doesn't fit. Mm. You know what I mean? It's not, and again, it's, you know, we talk about this argument about, you know, about poverty and, mm -hmm. you know, lack of material things. Um, if the dog dropped the stick, it would be able to go through the door. It just can't take the stick that way through the doorway with him. He was so attached yeah. to this. Look at me. I got a He's big attached. stick. I got a big stick attached, with it, exactly. by the mouth, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which is how dogs work, but, um, but it could not get through the doorway. Uh, if he dropped the material, would be able to move through the doorway or just had a smaller stick. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. maybe it's like having more than enough. Your yacht won't fit into the the boat slip, but, you know, maybe your dinghy would. Um, mm. You know, it's, so it's and I know there may be some connections with the Essenes uh, a couple thousand years ago, uh, arguing where maybe possibly Jesus was part of this sect. And you know, it was a communal living where, you know, they grew their own food, they were self-sufficient, um, but they really kind of disavowed <laughs> material things, mm -hmm. uh, knowing that they can get in the way. Yeah. Um, especially the thirst after, like you're talking about in the very Buddhist sense, is that there's this attachment to it. So um, that's, it's, again, not that you're rich. Rich, a lot of times, I believe rich is used in the Bible, at least in the New Testament, in that, oh, that's too rich, like, you know, a cake or something. It's overly sweetened or overly, it's too heavy. Mm. Uh, you know what I mean? It it's almost yeah. ruins the yeah. flavor. It ruins the, yeah, yeah, I want chocolate cake is, you know, much if not more than the, the next person. But, mm -hmm. but if, uh, you know, it kind of ruins the taste if it's overly spiced or if it's too rich. Sure. Um, so, yeah, and I can't have cake. No, exactly. And I think that's the issue here. And what's so interesting about it, it's, it's not so much even it's because it'll, we'll see as we go along. It's not so much the riches. It's what, it's like you talked about with the dog and the stick. It's the attachment. It's the hanging on to it. So in the way that you want to hang on to it, and that's the only way that you're going to try to get through the doorway is with a stick in your mouth and your teeth grip down on it really hard. It's not, I don't even think it's so much about the riches. And that's why I think Jesus said to that particular, you know, youth that he should do that, but he might not recommend that to everyone. I mean, I don't want to speak for Jesus, but you know, the point is, is that it's really, it's really the attachment. It's the grasping, it's the holding on to that. And it's the, and it's the faith in the material things. Yes. That's the real problem. It's like, Oh, this thing is the end result. And it's like, no, that's, that thing is just an outpicturing of spirit. 
you know, spirit is behind that. God is behind that. The invisible infinite is behind that and is providing all of this experience for us. And that's what he's trying to say. It's like the, the materiality is fine. We're here, you know, don't get too attached to, to it, um, you know, and don't be grasping onto it. And if you are, then you have to let it go. It's almost like, you know, that idea of, you know, plucking out your right eye or cutting off your right hand if it offends thee and, you know, in that section uh, that's in, I believe, Matthew. And, um, you know, he's talking about that. It's like this idea that if something is not working for it, it's keeping you out of the kingdom of heaven, it's keeping you out of your spiritual understanding, your connection to God, then you got to let it go. You may be able to approach it again and say, okay, well, look, I, you know, I'm, I, I don't want to be destitute. Uh, I want to be, you know, financially, you know, somewhat successful, but I'm not going to devote my life to that at the expense of, of my, of my spirit, of my soul. And I think that's really what he's getting at. Cause, because then you get into this and he says, then right after what you read, they were greatly astounded and said to one another, then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, and here's where it is, for mortals, it is impossible, but not for God. For God, all things are possible. What's the wording on that in, um, in, in 27 in, in the King James? Um, with men, it is impossible, but not with God. For with God, all things are possible. So we're very close. Yeah, real close. Um, so there you go. And that's the dichotomy here. He's saying, look, if, if, you're, if it's up to you, if it's up to mortals, it's, if it's up to the ego, it's up to the body, if it's up to material existence, then it's impossible. You might as well just give it up. But turn to God, because for God, you know, with God, all things are possible. And, and that's really the crux of this, this whole thing here, is that there really isn't this, this dichotomy between spirit and matter that we see, uh, you know, that we sometimes fixate on. You know, they're both interrelated and, and But you just have to realize that one is necessarily higher than the other one. They're interpenetrating each other. But, you know, there's, there's a source. And then there's a, it's like, there's a, it's like for, with a house. There's a blueprint. You know, there's the sort of design for it. And then there's the actual construction, and then, you know, that goes on. And then there's the physical house. But without the blueprint and without the designer and without the, you know, the the purpose to make a house and without the possibility, without the material world that was already here, you know, when we are, when we arrived into this incarnation, none of, you know, none of, none of the things would be possible. We wouldn't be able to make a house, you know? And so we have to recognize that there is a, a spiritual source behind this that has purpose and it has, it has a, a flow and a, in a, in a structure to it, you know? And I think that's, that's, that's a big deal with this whole thing. Um, and again, because then it goes on, uh, I, truly, I tell you, there's no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for my sake and for the sake of the good news who will not receive a hundredfold now in this age and in the age to come eternal life. You know, and then there's also this this interesting thing in there where, you know, so basically he's saying, look, you're going to have good things here now. And have all those things that you're looking for, but you're also going to have eternal life. You're also going to be connected, you know, in that infinite wisdom, that, that infinite source. You're going to have that, that awakening, uh, you know, of your divine source within and without. You can have those, those, both of those things. But, you know, but you have to have that understanding first. And you have to be willing to give up your, your, um, 
your faith in the material, you know, your faith in, 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 in man, as it were, faith in humankind, not that you, you don't want to have, you know, connections to people and you don't want to have faith in them in the sense that you trust people and you, you know, you make communities and you work together and you cooperate, but faith in the, in, in the ultimate sense, like, you know, you have to always remember human beings are human beings. Right. And so at times they're going to let us down. And that's just the way it is. The real source, the infinite and eternal source will never let you down. You might not like what happens in your material life all the time. But if you have faith like that, you know, like the child, if you have faith in a receptive state and you, you know, you look towards that higher uh, source, you'll still be fortified with 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 the with the spiritual sustenance that you need which is oftentimes more important than the material things. You know, how many, how many rich people have we seen that are absolutely miserable? How many stars who killed themselves, you know, that had it seemingly had everything, you know, how many people so miserable that they, you know, that they have to be on drugs and alcohol just to get through the day and have everything they want, you know, girlfriends, boyfriends, wives, husbands, you know, yachts, planes, the whole thing, right? Everything you want. Um, so there's something there, right? Well, there is. And I think that's, you know, that comes with the <laughs> slings and arrows of outrageous fortune to we'll walk back to Shakespeare once again. Yeah. Um, is that anyway, the Oscar Wilde, I think said the only thing, um, worse than not getting what you want is getting what you want. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, all this pursuit and then all this attainment and achievement and, here it is. I've got it. I've checked off all the boxes. I've crossed all the check marks of what I need to do to be happy and successful and in my life or what society tells me uh, that may be. Then you find out how, how really meaningless that stuff is. It, if you don't have it, you think, well, geez, a oh, yacht might make me happy. Um, you know, and the servants uh, bringing me my ties on the beach or the, you know, whatever, you know, staff that you hire. Um, Maybe it sounds great in the uh, imaginary, but you know what if you have it, <laughs> and and then you realize, oh, I'm still unhappy. So it's it's kind of worse. Yeah. Um, you know, and maybe sometimes it takes getting there. It takes, oh, geez, I thought if I got this and this and that, well, if I just had a man, you know, I know a lot of women, you know, men too, that think, well, you know, get married and and have this, well, then then I'll be able to, you know, be free or be me or you know, be happy or not want um, for something. But that's a lot of pressure and expectation to put on another human being. And it may or may not be the right thing. So yes, humans are unpredictable. They are, (laughs) um, you know, imperfect as they should be, as we are designed. Uh, But to have this undying faith into material things or to human beings, um, you're really, you're selling yourself short on on what source of power uh, can have influence um, or real change for your life. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And to make those, you know, because the thing about having 
faith in in the material world and it's not that those things aren't there to help us it's not that like for example modern medicine isn't there to help us it's not that you know we can't go get help from our psychiatrist or psychologist or that you know these these you know that school isn't going to give us some knowledge maybe that'll help us in our lives it's not you know to say that those things aren't aren't somewhat helpful in our material existence but it's more to say like you have to recognize the limitations of those things, especially in solving the deepest problems of the soul, even of the body, of a sickness or illness that has no cure and no, no known cure. Who do you go for for that? You know, if the doctors just kind of throw up their hands, where do you go? You know, and so this is this. These are the kinds of things like. You know, you've got to you've got to develop some sort of source of faith. You know, if you if 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 you're resting all of your your, your healing, for example, right now, um, if you've got you know the COVID virus or something, if you're gonna you know not take care of yourself and try to you know do your best and kind of try to live through and have faith and you know pray and you know try the spiritual methods of healing yourself, if you're gonna just sit around and kind of wait for a a cure you know, you're going to be in, in, in some, some difficult times, you know? So, so the, the challenges in those situations is to, is to find that, that faith within yourself to, to rely on, to rely on the infinite, to rely on your spiritual source, God. Um, you know, what Jesus is calling, uh, calling God or the kingdom, the kingdom of heaven. And, and you know, he uses that term at times. Um, you know, to to be able to solve those problems, because, you know, God is not subject to this or that, you know, drug or this or that, you know, person that's going to let me do this thing or that thing. You know, God will work through people and God will oftentimes work through, you know, the curing power of of, of science and, and, and doctors, to be sure. It's not to say that, that those things don't happen, but you know, you've also got to got to realize that certain things in our lives just they only have spiritual solutions to them. There isn't going to be someone that's going to be able to fix uh, certain certain things that you've got going on within you. And that's, that's true of many of this, the psychological things we face, you know, and, and in, in Jungian terms, you know, this would sort of be a you're trying to create a an ego self access which basically just means you're creating a connection and, and, and a, comp a complete reliance on the self with a capital s which is you know not exactly god but it's analogous to the idea of god um you know with the ego being subservient to that higher source that higher that directs and guides you know and and, and really that's what's what's going on in this verse is jesus is saying look you know the ego can only do so much it's it, it runs out of power at a certain you know time and place or whatever and then you've you know it's I, I'm, I'm i'm suddenly thinking of the program you know what i mean you you have to at some point re realize that your only way out is you know through your higher higher power right yeah at some point uh, is actually fairly early on <laughs> Yeah, in, yeah, the, in right? the 12 like step, steps. Step, step one, for example, right? Well, one, yeah. Admit that you're powerless. Oh. Um, and, well, actually, the first three are kind of like uh, Freemasonry. You know, they're kind of grouped together 
um, and they kind of complete a, a, a step or a stage maybe um, among the steps, but that is, you know, turning your will over to, to a higher power, um, that that may solve your problems. Because, you know, again, how did you get in this mess? Well, mm. by your own best thinking, by <laughs> your own willpower, um, you know, these are the things of the ego that, you know, a lot of the times you know, these problems are created um, from this, you know, focus or this locus of power mm -hmm. um, that you direct towards, you know, material or ego or things you can see, touch and feel and control. Um, that's kind of how you got in the mess. So to actually think that you're going to get out of this mess you know, with the same <laughs> set of circumstances and ways of thinking, um, you know, how does that even make logical sense? Yeah, exactly. You know, and for anybody, and I, I guess I'm always an apologist for the uh, atheistic or non-believers <laughs> or people that might cringe at the, you know, oh, you got to believe in God and have faith and all this. What, in a very almost scientific sense, uh, this verse, um, as well as this concept that we're talking about, not putting your faith into man or men, which is also institutions, whether they be government, corporations, education, things like that, uh, and relying on God, this higher power that's more you know, all-knowing, all-seeing, all-powerful, um, you could use the analogy that it's like, instead of putting your faith and all your trust into an existing paradigm or what's currently available, whether that's for medicine or uh, you know social change um, in a government system um, or technology, maybe if you're looking at an electric car or something like that, um, not putting your faith into that, but putting your hopes and your faith into imagination because that's where invention comes from. That's where new ideas, that's where breakthroughs in medicine in technology uh, and in sociology and in human relations come from dreaming what is possible into being. If you're only looking at what's there, I know a lot of you know, politicians are talking about, well, we just gotta have coverage, you know, healthcare coverage for everybody so everybody can get healthcare. That's good, yes, and that makes sense, Okay, then, okay, bingo, everybody has health care. Well, what, what is this health care system? <laughs> and why are we sick? What's causing, you know, the problem to begin with that we need this? And does this health care system work for everything? It probably works for half the things fantastically. And for that, you do need coverage and you could rely because there's a track record uh, in medicine working uh, with certain types of things. There are other types of things that we know medicine and science still finds very mysterious. Um, so just looking at, you know, what's available and what's possible in imagination and intuition and the spirit of invention. I think any scientifically minded person um, would be able to see that, that you have to go beyond sometimes. Now, if, if you're just using uh, you know, a situation where the existing paradigm and set of tools and techniques works, well, then you don't need to change it. You don't need anything beyond that because it works fine for that. For the stuff that it doesn't work for, 
you have to invent a new tool, a new technique, or a new process um, to have a new result. So again, just look at it possibly like what's available and what's possible in the imaginative spirit of invention. There you go. And, you know, and oftentimes that, again, that also has a certain element of receptivity and mystery to it. Like, you know, oftentimes scientists will rack their brains years and years and years on a problem and then one day be, you know, standing in the shower and have this little epiphany or have a dream, you know, where they see the, you know, the result of, of what they're doing and it gives them the clue that they need to the you know, final piece to that puzzle or whatever. And it comes as a sort of in a receptive way. It's sort of, there's a grace to it. I mean, it's coming, if you want to look at it from, you know, from the the Jungian sense coming through the unconscious and it's, you know, it's not something we're creating. It's something we're receiving just like a dream, you know, and you think in speaking of dreams, it's like, you know, I spoke a little bit earlier about that, but think about a dream. I mean, you're, you, you can't really create it yourself. You can't, you know, you can't go to sleep and say, you know, I about this and I want it to have this theme to it and I want these characters to show up. I mean, every once in a while, you might, co- you know, your, your thoughts may coincide with something that was going on during the day and that'll show up in a dream or what have you. But the dream is going to have its own structure, its own logic, its own symbolic nature to it. And who is dreaming that up? You know, we don't know. We think it's us. How is information coming to us that we're unaware of and confused about that, you know, that actually may point us in a direction that changes our lives? If it's coming from us, but the ego, well, it's, you know, it's not coming from the ego. That's the thing. And that's the paradox of this whole thing. It's a receptive attitude that allows it to come through. And a certain belief, for example, like that you believe the dream contains some wisdom. If you just think it's nonsense, you're not even going to look at it. And that's where this childlike faith we have to have faith in 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 the idea that that there is meaning to the universe and and childlike doesn't mean childish it doesn't mean uninformed it means open and receptive it means faithful and believing for you know and that's uh that's a that's a big distinction and the real thing that strikes me in this whole thing is this this paradox because you know he's jesus is saying it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who's rich to enter the kingdom of god he doesn't say it's is that it's easier, you know, for that to happen. And then, you know, and then the disciples are all astounded and they're like, you know, I think they're probably frustrated because it sounds like it's going to be impossible because we're all, you know, linked to this material world. We're all, you know, caught up in this ego game. We're all caught up in the materialism and so on. And then who can be saved? And then Jesus says, for mortals, it's impossible, but not for God. For God, all things are possible. And that's why I say, you know, this is one of these things where, People may tell you, oh, you're not going to get well or, oh, you'll never, you know, you'll never be sober. You'll never break that addiction or, oh, you know, you'll never own your own house with 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 some land like you you know, like you dream of or, you know, have a place where you can have some horses like you always wanted or you're never going to, you know, finish that Ph.D. You're never going to do this. You're never going to do that. You're never going to, you know, heal from this cancer because it's impossible. It's impossible, you know. And actually, my mom had breast cancer, and my my uncle is actually a doctor. And God, but he, you know, to the belief that this particular kind of cancer was always it was always deadly. You know, she was you know she was she was certain to die. 
thank God he didn't tell her that, you know, and, but she had faith and she had confidence and, and, and was able to work through that and is still alive today. And she, you know, it was in the nineties when she had cancer, you know, breast cancer. So this is this supposedly, um, you know, nearly impossible, you know, rate of survival and so on that the quote unquote experts and doctors, you know, thought, thought was the case. So I'm saying it's like, don't put limitations on what is possible for God. You know, and that's exactly what Jesus is saying. It's a paradox because, yes, there's a material world. And, yes, sometimes things don't go the way we want. And, yes, sometimes it seems like our prayers are not answered, quote, unquote, or whatever. But that doesn't limit what's possible. It doesn't limit, you know, what can happen. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't limit the world from changing and to, for the better, transforming into something different because, you know, last week it was like this or, you know, 10 years ago it was like that. You know, or I've always done it like this, or no one in my family has ever done this or that. None of those things, those things are all bullshit in the end. You know, and once you're receptive and you realize that, you know, everything in life is a, is by the grace of God, everything, our, our, our entire experience, then you start to realize, well, wait a minute, I can tap into that and I can have faith and I can know that it's unfolding as it as it should be. And I can even ask for miraculous things to happen and they will often happen. You know, God's on an ATM machine, but you know, if there are things we're truly and strongly believing for, and we, you know, we have true faith and a connection and a belief and, you know, we're, we're working towards, towards that thing, amazing, miraculous things can happen. You know, people can get out of, you know, hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars in debt. People can, you know, start a nonprofit group that, you know, changes, you know, a huge section of the world makes lives better for other people. You can, you know, you know what I mean? And we, how often do we limit that in ourselves though? You know, you know far too often, far too and, often and way too strongly. I mean, <laughs> yeah. look at all exactly. the things that were impossible in, until they happened. Climbing yeah. Mount Everest, the four minute mile, you know, human power, you know, heavier than air powered flight. Yeah, um, that was deemed scientifically proven as impossible. Yeah, uh, right before the Wright brothers, you know, figured out a way to do it, but they believed it was possible. And you know, if you just go on what's known and just what's already happened, I mean, you know, why even have cars or anything like that? I mean, it's you know, that would have been impossible, seemingly impossible. Yeah, something faster than a horse, you know, two hundred years ago. Um, well, I think I think we should go back to horses, but that's, but well, that's just but that's just me. Okay, yeah. maybe, maybe we'll get a chance to do that. We'll see what happens with the economy. So. <laughs> or I, even I, like I, the electric car. I mean that yeah. that was that was a um, kind of a holy grail or a you know just a pie in the sky thing that was never really going to happen. And all the effort, all the millions of dollars and the decades spent trying to do it. And they, you know, they didn't have range. They didn't have mm. power. They looked stupid. Uh, even the, you know, the ones that did work, um, but they didn't work very well. And GM tanked the whole EV1. And, you know, and then Musk comes along and, you know, it took him a few revisions, but he set up the infrastructure with mm. charging stations all over the country. So it eliminated that argument. What do you do? Just plug it in on the side of the road? Well, yeah, when you have a charging station, like you have a gas station, why not? 
and he made the cars luxury sedans that you know they're a little pricey but they and they also perform mm -hmm. better than than their gas counterparts uh, so it's that would have been impossible in 1979 or to even think that way would would have been just mm -hmm. you know magical thinking yeah on a on a on a big scale i mean certainly yeah absolutely i mean there yeah. there there were people like you know what's interesting about that too conversely to wait for the paradigm shift uh, which is what he did not do obviously is is not the is not the answer either so if you know if, if somebody else is for example you know a big company or something's not doing what you want to see i mean you can oftentimes work out uh work out like for example with that electric car thing this is what the antecedent to that was that a lot of people were taking their cars in and having them converted to electric cars and there was conversion companies even out in la there were several of them so you could take a bug in there and get it converted to electricity and you know you could you could you know you take any small kind of like lightweight car they would do it for and so that was kind of like the that was kind of like the work through until the big paradigm shift occurred but you're right i mean he had this vision and it's like it wasn't he, instead of a bunch of problems and a bunch of impossibilities he, he just saw those as challenges and 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 instead you know created solutions and and that's really what you're doing in essence, when you have faith, and I, I don't know what his faith is, he probably is more of a materialist, I would assume, since he has such a scientific background, but he certainly has faith in himself and certainly has faith in paradigm shifts and progress and technology. And so, you know, that, that faith can, can, you know, can work, work really, you know, quite miraculous changes in things, can it? Um, so, you know, there's, there's that thing where you've got to, You've got to see beyond the current situation, the materiality of things, what's happening today to where you want to be. And if it's today I'm I'm ill and today I you know I just got a diagnosis that I'm gonna, you know, die in six months or something like that, and you don't believe that and you you know, you're really you know, you've got faith that you can you can be healed even though the doctors tell you it's not the case, you know. Don't don't let people stop you from your from your miracles from happening. Don't stop yourself. Don't stop yourself. Yeah. Don't stop yourself. That's a good way to put it, because no one can stop you from those things uh, unfolding in your life. But but yourself, really. And, you know, look, not everything is going to have a miraculous ending, obviously. But what is but with faith, more times than not, things can happen that seemed impossible. You know, and that's that's the real that's the real truth behind it. So, you know, don't give your your power over to a structure or a government or a political movement or a corporation or, you know, even your church. If your church is telling you something that you don't you know, you don't really buy. You know, God is bigger than churches. God is bigger than, you know, dogma and doctrine. And, you know, from this show that, you know, that we talk about spirituality, and we talk about God. And we use the same terminology, but probably a lot of people that, you know, are more traditional would think that we're not quite on the path, you know, but that's, but so be it. You know what I mean? That we all have to develop our own relationship with the infinite, right? And so you can't let someone else define what that is for you, you know, and church can help you and the Bible certainly can point you in the right direction and, you know, in a relationship with Jesus or, you know, a relationship with the saints or, 
you know, whoever, or Buddha or Krishna or whoever you want to help guide you into that path, you know, will we'll, we'll help to show you the way. But in the end, in the end, you've got to come face to face with that spiritual reality yourself. So, you know, this is what we're talking about today. And that's really what I think Jesus is talking about. You know, for mortals, it's impossible for the ego or for that part of yourself that's caught up in the materiality. It is impossible, but not for God. You know, and again, then the paradox is we are, you know, a mortal. We are a, a human being having a spiritual experience, let's say, or, you know, but if we switch it around and we think, well, I'm a spiritual being having a human experience, then you're connected to the source. You know, and that's kind of a new age cliche, but it's very appropriate when you think about it. It's a different way of looking at things. I'm a human being having a spiritual experience versus I'm a spiritual being having a human experience. Very deep, very profound change. Of, it's a very tiny shift in a way, but it's a completely different experience. And I think that's one of the things he's talking about. Well, we're, we're kind of nearing the end. Do you want to uh, add some, some points, kind of wrap things up? that you can think of well just to underscore again this you know what is possible and what is impossible and to just align yourself with the realm of possibilities it might be highly improbable it may be unbelievable or astounding or seemingly miraculous but it's still possible and to limit yourself and to limit your own experience in the world. You know, because we do live in the world. We do live in our human, you know, organism. Uh, we do live on this planet. And we do live with other people in society. And if there's money and government and things like that that we need to, you know, move about in the world, well, then we're, we're you know, we're participating with those uh, elements, but we're not bound by them mm -hmm. and we're not ruled by them. They're to maybe bring in another scripture, you know, render unto Caesar what is Caesar's and render unto God what is God. We really have to do both. We will serve yeah. the, the world of man, uh, but there's only so much, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And don't let that determine what you think is possible or impossible. Because many of the things we do every single day that we take for granted without even thinking about were not long ago very impossible scientifically, technologically, uh, in every way. They would have been unbelievable, magical, uh, maybe even, you know, witchcraft <laughs> inducing ideas. <laughs> um, but, but we use them every day and think nothing of it. So just play that forward maybe what also is seemingly impossible today yeah. might tomorrow uh be every an everyday occurrence that's a fantastic point and of course you know again it's a it's a balance right so you know use the tools at hand the best things that you know science and doctors and you know economists and you know corporations or whatever have have developed if those things are helping you and working for you um, but also realize that ultimately, you know, the healing or the change or the transformation 
takes place in an invisible realm. Um, and it's, you know, and it is in, it's under the charge of something infinite and spiritual and, and wildly more powerful than, you know, than most of us can imagine. And so, you know, for, we've got to kind of try to suspend our disbelief as it were, and re-engage that faith and connect to that part of ourselves that knows that because, you know, we've all seen those sorts of things happen in our lives at times, these unexplainable things, this or that person, you know, miraculously comes back to, to life and, you know, has, you know, 20 more years of, of good life after this, you know, harrowing, you know, near death experience or something, or, you know, this or that person that we know lost everything and then, you know, came back and, started this great business that they ended up hand, handing down to their, you know, to their sons and daughters or something. And, you know, all these things, we've all had those experiences. We all had those experiences in our own life. So connect with those times when that stuff has happened to you. Remember the state of mind you were in and try to recreate that. Um, but also be just open and receptive to the possibility for something happening beyond what, what they say, what they say. So thank you again for joining us. You know, have faith in these uncertain times and look to that higher source. Uh, you will get through it. You know, we're getting through it together. And we're going to create something better coming out the other side as we as we move forward. And it may get, you know, challenging. It may get rough. And you may want to, you know, throw, throw in the towel or throw up your hands. But don't do it. You know, don't do it. You know, look to your higher source and, and have faith. So thank you, Chris, for a great topic today. Appreciate thank it. You. Uh, thank you for joining us, everyone who's listening. Thanks for our supporters who are supporting us financially. And if you can, please do uh, support us at anchor.fm slash cosmic eye. Uh, check out Chris's book, The Spirit in the Sky, and check out more about Chris at chrissheridan.com. Uh, my book is If You Can Worry, You Can Meditate, and that's available on Amazon or at cosmiceye.org. And you can find out more about Cosmic Eye at our website as well. Uh, so like us, follow us. Uh, I think most of our, you know, uh, listeners are on iTunes. So if you're on iTunes and you haven't uh, left a, a review or you're not, you know, you're not following us, please do. Uh, it helps us and share us with your friends if you can. Thanks. Uh, thanks a lot. Have a great week. Keep the faith. Goodbye and God bless. <laughs>